Welcome back, VM Nation. Guy, I'm your host, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. Um, if you ever thought that psychic mediums were BS, well, tell you what, I did too. Until this gentleman blew mine and my wife's socks off the last time I had him on the Monday Night Comeback. So, guys, make sure you stay, listen to this episode. It's going to be fun. You might learn a few things. Guys, as you know, our sponsors are 100% veterans, 100% of the times. I'd like to thank Kurt Balish of Balish Woodworks. If you guys love woodworks that are homemade, definitely check out balishwoodworks.com. He actually made a uh, cutting board for my wife, which we now use every single day. I got it for her for Mother's Day, and it's the only um, cutting board my wife will use. So definitely check out balishwoodworks.com. Dean, my brother, what's going on? Hey, Richard. How you doing, man? Oh, man. You know what? If life was any better, I would be twins, brother. What's going <laughs> I, on with you? I hear you. I hear you. No, things are things are great. Thanks for having me on to your show again. I It's great to, to, to connect once again. Yeah. So what's going on in your world? You know, just... Um, just really keep on keeping on kind of type deal, uh, doing some media appearances, doing, uh, you know, doing business, really just helping people. And that's really what, uh, I do day in and day out. And that's really what it's about for me anyway. So, um, yeah, so I'm just, uh, kind of doing business as, as usual. <laughs> so now with Halloween coming up, are you getting a little bit busier? Yeah, you know, it it goes in in phases. Um especially or for me anyways. Um you know, it tends to get the heaviest um in the fall and then of course in the winter and I think it's because um what you were talking about Richard is number one because of Halloween. Um everybody thinks paranormal ghosts um you know, it's forefront in their mind. Um, and then the other aspect, then we get into the holiday season, uh, and it can be a very difficult time for those that, you know, have a loved one that has crossed over that is no longer with them during the holiday season. So it's, uh, you know, it, uh, it kind of ebbs and flows. And then of course, during the summer, everybody's out, uh, enjoying the, uh, the beautiful weather. And, uh, so that's, you know, I just kind of go with the flow and, and, uh, adjust my schedule accordingly. But yeah, I, you know, I take my, my vacation time as well. Most of the time when it's, uh, around the, just like everybody else around the summer and everything else. So, but we're just enjoying it. We're getting ready for snow. I think soon. Uh, I know I said the four letter word snow, but, uh, my neck of the woods, it's, it's coming. We're we're right. We're getting ready for the first uh, day of November soon, and it uh, it's coming up. Okay, so now talk to us. Give us a a quick down and dirty. Tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, uh, yeah. when growing up, and then your your military career. Sure, sure. Uh, grew up in northern Minnesota, right on the Canadian border. Um, you know, real small town. And, you know, right after high school, went right into uh, the Army. Uh, went uh, Initially, I served about uh, three, almost four years, that, and I got out in 92, got out for a little bit, went back in in 93, so I was out for about a year and a half, and uh, went back in in 93 and back into the Army, I should share. And went on to serve, uh, you know, a total of 14 and a half years active army. Um, and then I got out um, and, you know, kind of joined the uh, Army National Guard um, in the great state of North Dakota. And uh, I found out that, and the reason I did that is I found out that they, the across the nation, they have an active guard and reserve program. And I was like, what's going on with this? And, you know, I found out, hey, you can basically work a full-time military job, but it's like in your backyard type deal. And really it's the people that process the pay and, you know, make sure the readiness of the unit and all that great stuff for the weekend folks. And uh, so as a full-time support staff, 
for another 10 years. So I ended up when I finally did retire and retired at 24 years. So, um, so yeah, it was, it, it was really fun, uh, doing that. And it was a different perspective. So what made you want to join the military? You know, uh, it was something that was um, part of the lifeblood of my family. It wasn't expected to join the military, but, you know, I, I was one of those families that, um, you know, everybody was joining type deal. You know, the uncles, you know, my dad uh, was uh, was born in Canada. Um, he served in the Canadian Air Force. Uh, my brother joined the American Air Force. Um, you know, I had uncles that were in the Navy, uh, had cousins that were in the Marine Corps. I'm, you know, a lot of Army veterans, um, you know, a lot of, of course, a lot of my uncles were Vietnam veterans. I was born in 70. So, you know, coming right off the Vietnam, you know, war and everything else. So um, there was a lot of there's a lot there's just a lot of military um in that lineage and it it was something that i just knew that i was going to do it was it wasn't a question of you know it wasn't a question richard of if i'm going to do it it's like okay well what branch am i going to join <laughs> that's really what it was and then i just kind of settled on the on the army and next thing you know it's uh I'm watching those high speed uh, videos like, you know, the recruiters love to show you. And it's like, you know, kind of going back and telling mom, hey, you know, I signed a, I signed a initial contract for four years. You know, that's what I started off as. And what job did you sign up for? So uh, for the 14 and a half years um, that I did with the active army, it was all infantry. Um yeah, so when I, you know, went off to Fort Benning, did, uh, you know, basic training and then went right into infantry, infantry school. And then uh, also uh, completion of AIT, went right into uh, airborne school, had that in my contract. And then I was sent right to Fort Lewis directly after that. I originally had orders to go to uh, Alaska which was interesting at that time they was really big with cohort units, like sending a bunch of you and your buddies. And, uh, that was back in like 89, early 90. And, you know, and I was like, but I'm supposed to go to a jump school and, you know, and of course you got to show the paperwork and next thing, you know, they amended my orders and I'm going to Fort Lewis and, and I spent my first enlistment there, which was great. It was a, a great duty location and everything. And, uh, yeah, when I got out and came back in, um, at that time, um, you know, there, it, it was just so saturated because of the drawdown of the force. If you guys remember back in the, in the early nineties, um, I believe it was Bush senior president Bush at the time, um, you know, dr did the big force reduction. And when he did that, um, a lot of these um, critical MOSs or whatever, um, you know, when I wanted to reclass, they're like, nope, <laughs> you know, they're over, they're over uh, quota or whatever. And it was like, well, I guess I go back to the infantry if I want to come back in. And lo and behold, I did. So, and, you know, and, uh, but of course, then when I came, uh, the, the active guard route, um, I mean, I had a whole, I, ended up getting a whole host of MOSs, you know, mechanic, supervisor, uh, combat engineer, you know, uh, supply, you know, all kinds of stuff. So it, uh, certainly kind of an interesting roller coaster of events. So now you went to jump school. Did you ever become a ranger? No, I had the opportunity. I think like, um, everybody did. I don't know if they still do it, but at the end of jump school, they ask, Hey, if there's any volunteers I want to go to at that time, it was called rip, um, ranger indoctrination program. And if anybody wants to go to rip, you know, you certainly can, uh, volunteer at this time. And at that time, you know, I was, I was still what I call young and dumb and I didn't really understand everything. And 
So I was like, nah, I'm just going to go right on to my duty location. It wasn't really until 93. Um, so I got, you know, I had gotten out, came back in and went right to the 101st. I was with 3rd Battalion 187 Rakasans, who, by the way, our battalion commander was uh, then Lieutenant Colonel Petraeus. Um, fun fact. Um, and, uh, but anyways, um, you know, Ranger School was really pushed at that time. And for whatever reason, I can't even, I can't even recall why, um, but it was something that um, was something that I didn't want to do. And I know that it was as an infantryman, um, you know, at that time it was like, you should get your EIB and you should go to ranger school. Those are the two, <laughs> you know, those are the two huge um, things for career progression, right? And it was a sure shot to uh, E5. And, but for some reason, um, I, I didn't want to go. And even though we were pressured to go, um, it was, it was a step that I didn't take. And, you know, some days was there a, did I regret it sometimes, but you know, you can't regret things in, in, in my thought process. It's like, you know, I can't sit here and, and regret it. It was a decision I made and, you know, you got to move forward. That's in the past now. All right. So now when we talked, was it two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, you actually blew my wife's mind and mine um and stuff's been weird stuff we've been seeing not seeing stuff <sighs> feeling stuff she feeling stuff yeah since we talked yeah so uh talk to us about what you do now and then how this all started yeah so what i do now is i'm actually a psychic medium and for those that don't know what an actual psychic medium is they might have heard the term it's a person that's actually able to connect to and communicate with those that are deceased. And the ability really can, you know, exists. It's not a parlor trick. It's not, you know. And so what I would share is the way that it all um, because I I didn't I didn't want this ability. First off, I want to say that. I, I didn't go looking for you know, uh, the paranormal. I didn't go looking for, you know, to become a psychic medium. I didn't, you know, and I wasn't, that wasn't my interest at all. I was, you know, here I was very much, uh, you know, full-time, uh, support staff for the army national guard. Um, just doing the day in day out. My kids were very little. Um, I had just gotten back from my very last deployment, we did a year in Kosovo with the uh, National Guard. And, uh, you know, we, we did a year overseas. My son was just born, so we had a toddler and like a five-year-old. We're going back like 11 years, Richard, and when all this kicked off. And I was planning on, you know, I'm like, okay, I got three years left. Um, I'm in a great position you know, and I was looking at that, but I need to, you know, what am I going to do for, you know, after I retire? And I was going to work for the local VA. That was the plan. And I actually had it all planned out with TRICARE. And, you know, if I worked, you know, here I was in my early forties, geez, I could work in just another even 10 years until I'm 50. And, you know, uh, you know, of, of, uh, just of a public servant and, you know, a GS level. And, but long story short, it was, you know, we had just came back and it's what I call all holy hell started breaking loose for me. And what I mean by that is clocks and pictures started flying off the wall. There was no, you know, a lot of people say, well, maybe at some point there was a psychosis break for Dean or something. No, there, you know, um, Kosovo was not stressful. Um, other than being away from your family or running out of coffee over there, it's, um, it wasn't stressful at all. Actually, it was kind of a, what I would call, uh, very much of a cakewalk deployment. And, um, the thing that was interesting is I was like, what the heck is going on with all these clocks and pictures? And I couldn't put any logic to it because I was like, 
really trying to understand what the heck was going on, right? It was defying logic. And my wife had confided in me when I was overseas that she was seeing a local psychic. And because my daughter wasn't sleeping, there was a lot of stuff going on. And so I jokingly referred to this, this local psychic as a voodoo chick. And because that was just me, I was like, you know, that was my words at the time. Like, oh, you and your voodoo chick friends. And so, you know, that, that was the running joke. And But when I got home and all this stuff happened, Richard, then I was like, first words out of my mouth were, call the voodoo chick, get her ass over here. There's some weird stuff going on. And because who do you call? Like, you know, if you're if you know that there's weird stuff. Like, who do you call? Like, you know, and I know everybody's like Ghostbusters, right? But there is no yeah. Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, there might, there are paranormal groups, but, you know, at least in my area, in fact, I don't know who still gets Yellow Pages. I, we, we, we actually just got a, a recent uh, delivery of a Yellow Page. And, and I was looking in there for, you know, just for fun. And I was like, there's nothing about paranormal investigators nothing about psychics, nothing about mediums. And I was like, so other than Google or some other search engine to like, who do you reach out to? Right. And, and I was like, well, none of my friends or, or people that I work with are into that, that I'm aware. And, uh, so I, you know, we had her come over and I just wanted her to make everything go back to normal. I, you know, I didn't want to talk to spirits or and yeah, that stuff. I just, you know, I was thinking, oh, she's just going to wave her wand or whatever she does. I didn't know. And so when she came over, she started connecting to my grandfather, who was a World War One veteran. And I'm kind of giving her the side eye, like, really, is this really happening? Like, you know, and I wasn't I wasn't in a space of being open and really being a believer of it, even though she was giving evidential you know, information about him. And I was like, okay, where was he after Afghanistan? Where was he after Bosnia? You know, I'm going Korea, like all my deployments and assignments overseas. And, and she's like, well, I can't tell you where your grandpa's been then, but she said, he's here now supporting you. And I wasn't in the headspace of receiving what he was taught or what she was talking about. And I was like, let's just pay her, get her out of here. And, you know, shortly after she left, it was about a couple of weeks and nothing had quieted down as far as clocks and pictures and all that great stuff. But my deceased grandmother, his actual wife. So we're talking about my grandfather, his actual wife shows up um, because I was really close to my paternal grandmother. And and I was washing bottles around midnight and I felt her literally standing behind me and out loud because I was the only one awake going how the hell do I know grandma's here and it was a knowing there was no like I heard a voice or I you know there was it just in my bones told me that grandma's with me and so I went to bed that night knowing that you know a little freaked out but knowing that she was there laying in bed but still very much awake and so it was the uh, disbeliever part of me. My ego said, you know what? If, if grandma's really here, why don't you have her just prove it? And as soon as those words left my head, the, the room turned absolutely frigid like you walked into a meat freezer. And I was like, holy crap. Like, what did I just do? I think it pissed somebody off, right? And, uh, you know, and then so then I was just kind of talking one way in my head to her, like, you know, love you, miss you, all that great stuff. And, you know, like what you've been doing. And then it's as if my ego got bored saying, you know what, this is all BS. Um, if she was really here, she would prove it by touching us, like, you know, trying to find something so tangible that you can't deny it. And, you know, I still remember it like was yesterday, Richard, that it was a gentle yet firm pressure that started at the top of my head and went to the bottom of my feet. And literally it was like somebody 
lying on top of me. Now, it wasn't like she was choking me like you will believe, like a scene out of Poltergeist or something else, that, you know. But it was more of I just I was heavy. I became heavier than the bed. And I literally was sinking into the bed. And I could hear the springs compress. And I was like, holy shit. Like, what did I just do? I broke the... I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm, uh, I broke the fifth seal to hell. <laughs> you know, I, all these fears started going through my head because I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is real. And so it was like the, you know, six year old little boy, me came out and it was like, all right, you're freaking me out. I love you, but you got to leave. And, you know, and, uh, as soon as I said that, uh, boom, it was like, no, no more weight. The, you know, the room turned back to uh, normal temperature, but it was all in a instant, like a finger snap. And I'm sitting up in bed, completely out of breath, covered in sweat going, what was that? And really that brought me on a journey of going, why me? Why now? And what the hell did I just experience? And that took me back to that voodoo chick because she was the only one that I knew that did that kind of stuff. Now, and, was, was your was your wife laying next to you? Yeah, she was. So my wife this whole time, she was right next to me. So anybody that has kids has a has a significant other. Um, and, you know, and in my experience, um, you know, my wife when we start having kids, like never slept or she never sleeps very soundly, right? And I think it's like a, you know, a survival mechanism with moms or whatever. But um, she was snoring. Let me tell you, she was sleeping like I've never seen her sleep. And I am like shaking her awake, like wake up. Like there is somebody here. Like I'm freaking out. And she wakes up going, you know, and I said, there's somebody here. And she's thinking there was somebody breaking in. And I'm thinking, no, that would be easy to you know, explain. And, but I was like, no, there's like a spirit here. And she was like, how do you know? And I was like, right. I don't know. Get the voodoo chick over here. And she was like, Dean, it's like two o'clock in the morning. And so if I remember right, I, you know, I got up and, uh, watched TV. And back in those days, I was, I was a pretty big chewer for, for a lot of years. So I, you know, I think I got up and, uh, you know, didn't go back to sleep for the rest of the, uh, the, you know, it was early, early morning, but I was kind of dragging the next day. But, you know, that was my, what I call come to Jesus moment, because that was something so visceral, Richard, that I couldn't deny what I experienced. Now I couldn't explain it because I didn't, you know, but I was like, what was that? And I can't explain it away. And if anybody came in to try to explain it with logic, I'm like, uh-uh. Like, I tried to do that for myself, and there was no way that I could debunk it. And I was like, I know what I experienced. Like, and, and I was like, why me? Why now? Like, why is this shit going on? Like, I don't want this. You know, I'm getting ready to retire. You know, and I'm like, oh. And so, you know, I went that thus started me on this journey. I, I went down this rabbit hole, if you will, of, you know, going back to that voodoo chick, like I shared. And she's like, you're a medium. Well, and I'm like, I don't want to be a medium. You know, we've all been in, you know, we've served, served in the military. Yeah. And we know, we know that we can be brutal. Yeah. So you can't exactly just go and, and sit around a water cooler and be like, yeah, some, some, you know, shit was flying off my wall. And yeah. And down. Yeah. So what was that like? Not really having it. Yeah. To talk I to was you? very, um, let, well, at, let me get, paint you a little picture first before I get into that. So at the time of all this going on here, I am, a, a E seven. Um, I supervised, um, four individuals, one worked off site and the other three worked in the office with myself. Um, so the three guys that were in my office, um, you know, we get to know each other and it was a completely different environment than the active duty one that I grew up in. 
um, 14 years prior. And because, good Lord, if they yeah, act to duty, you know as well as I do, Richard, anybody act to duty, they smell any blood in the water, it's like sharks. Like, <laughs> you will not survive. And it's like, so, but I was still very conscious about, like, how much do I share? Like, and it was so crazy for me. And so it kind of comes out in conversation when during lunch or you're having coffee because they're, you know, the BS sessions. and. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, some of the guys were like, uh, you know, I have one guy that was very devout Catholic and he was like, I will pray for you. <laughs> and a couple of the other guys were like, dude, that's so cool. Like, you know, I completely believe in this or whatever, you know, I've heard of, you know, they're totally into that kind of thing. And, you know, and there's other people that aren't either way. They're just kind of just kind of give the head nod. And what I've really come to find out, I mean, understanding you bring up a great point that, you know, the active duty component, a little bit different environment, because if I would have brought that up, I would have been that guy. And I, I think, you know, I would have hoped that if I was in a different environment that uh, I would have been very conscious of who I shared that with. And I was, you know, outside of the guys in the office, I didn't talk to anybody about it other than, of course, the wife and but militarily, because I was like, I didn't know what people would think. I didn't want to be that guy. I did not want to be blacklisted. And because, you know, I've come to earn the respect of a lot of officers and a lot of senior NCOs. So a lot of, you know, it was a different environment that I was working in. And I was working with a lot of, you know, colonels and lieutenant, you know, so it was completely different. And when you earn the respect of your senior, um, you know, supervisors and different folks of, of different ranks and levels, uh, I wanted to maintain that. And I didn't want to become again, that guy. And really what was interesting is I got closer to, um, we can get into the development of other things, but as the, the years went by, in, in this three-year time span, as I got closer to retirement, I was like, screw it. What are they going to do? You know, I was tired of living in the quote unquote closet. And, uh, I was like, I wanted to, it was like, uh, something within inside of me wanted to, you know, kind of live my honor, my truth of who I was. And I, I was like, screw it. What are they going to do? Bend my dog tags, make me retire. I was like, I'm retiring. I don't care. I'm not, you know, other than bumping into them at the grocery store, you know, that's it for me. It's not like I'm going to go on and work as a contractor with these folks. And uh, that's when I decided to really come out as who I was. And, and it was a normal progression. It was kind of funny because people were like, um, Sar Mac, Sar Mac, you know, what are you going to do when you, uh, uh, retire? And I, <laughs> in the beginning, I was, I was really vague. I was like, well, I'm going to do consulting um, when I decided to do this as a business. And I was like, um, I'm going to work uh, with uh, energy sector. I was I was using so many terms that were so vague and everybody's like, what are you doing? Like and they left them confused. And then finally, um, I think I was at my last annual training. So, you know, National Guard Reservists do two weeks a year at a training facility somewhere. And we were doing our two week at my very last two week annual training. And at the end, we kind of have like, a, I don't know, award ceremony and a picnic or whatever. And, um, they, you know, of course they were asking me, you know, so what do you got, you know, and there was officers and enlisted. And so what are you going to do? You know, you're just going to get out and, you know, sit in the rocking chair. And I was like, and I was like, screw it. I had a beer or two in me. And I was like, you know what I'm going to be? And then I just came. I said, I'm a psychic medium. And it was so interesting, the response that I got. I had so many people that were so interested in that. And then there was a few that was like, you know, they just turned around and walked away. Um, you know, and so... What I come to find out, Richard, is, you know, and really because it was my ego, but, you know, to remind myself that people are people. It doesn't matter if you're in the military. It doesn't matter if you're a first responder, Leo. It doesn't matter if you're digging ditches. 
we all have different interests and backgrounds and some people are going to be into that. Some people are going to be supportive and some people won't. And so, really it's about honoring yourself. So tell us the story about the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah. So the last year, um, it was actually the, uh, I think it was the December before I retired. Cause I pulled the pin in, in May, the, the following May. And I was like, so I was actually doing, you know, it was always kind of so heavy in the energetically, right? Emotions and everything and in the office area. And I was like, you know, I am going to give this place a, uh, a gift and I am going to cleanse it. And by cleansing for anybody that's not, it's not simply a prayer. It's, it's more about locating areas of energy that is not in alignment with um, the people that work there, live there, whatever. And I thought, well, it can't hurt. It can only help. And so I did that. And I uh, I actually was using cornstarch. Um, now you're probably wondering, what the hell were you using? corn? It, it's a way of making a circle. Um, Native Americans actually used to use um, like a corn flour or corn mill it's like very natural in their sacral sacred um ceremonies right and so that's really all i could get like a very organic um corn starch and so there was an area um in one of the offices where i made a circle with corn starch and i was like so after i did all this energy work and it was feeling pretty good i was like oh yeah yeah and so I grabbed the vacuum cleaner. I was like, well, now I got to clean up this cornstarch. And I was um, vacuuming it up. Everything was fine. And all of a sudden, it didn't happen gradually. It was like all of a sudden that um, the uh, the vacuum cleaner like blew up. And when I mean blow, blow up, I'm meaning the engine or, you know, the motor um, like fried or whatever it did but um and it wasn't just a burnt belt that the motor went on it and it was interesting because all this cornstarch dust went all over and it was i was just like holy crap and i so i kind of did the um cord up nice and i brought it back to the uh supply guy and i was like you're gonna kill me man i said i just blew up your your vacuum cleaner i said uh he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, God. So yeah. So I blew up the, the vacuum cleaner with, with sucking up bad energy. <laughs> That's the only time that that has happened to me at, you know, to date. Um, but yeah, it was kind of an interesting, um, now it's, after your grandmother visited, did it yeah. get better or did it get worse? So, um, actually things, I'm trying to think back, um, after my grandmother visited me, um, I actually tried to ignore it for a while. Um, you know, cause I was like, you know, what's going on with all this. And I, so I wanted, I thought, well, you know, my wife, here's my wife that, you know, I was trying to ignore it. And so here's a spirit's trying to communicate with me that I didn't know that they were trying to do that. And my daughter who was five at the time, um, comes in my room about, I don't know, two, two thirty in the morning going, daddy, there's a man in my room. If you've ever wanted to, you know, you think, you know, anybody wants to put that in context, you ever watch the show like, uh, poltergeist, right? And, uh, you know, they're here and it was just a freakiest, just to have this little girl voice and especially your daughter. And as a dad, you know, I want to protect my children. It's ass and, whipping time. I get right. It. It's ass whipping time. And you, all the bells and whistle, you're like charge, excuse me, charging in the room to, you know, whoop somebody's ass. And it's like, oh, there's a quote unquote guy and you're like you know somebody in spirit basically and because there was nobody physically in there and i was like and my wife's looking at me like and she goes figure this shit out <laughs> and i was like 
you know, I was kind of lost because I was like, well, who do I turn to? And then I was like, well, the voodoo chick. And that's, you know, and I went back to her. I was like, well, what do I do with this? What do I, you know, what direction do I take? And of course I took a course in uh, mediumship. I took a course in dowsing. I took, you know, I started learning as much as I could and I read a ton. Um, there wasn't a lot of, you know, there was only a few mediums on TV at the time. It wasn't like now where they have channels almost dedicated to the paranormal. Um, and, you know, so, you know, I really, and I kind of went on a self-discovery journey of, you know, what mediumship, if I am a medium, what does that mean for Dean McMurray and what am I going to do with it? And because I kind of jokingly said, you know, to, you know, out loud saying, what am I going to be doing? Giving readings in my basement or, you know, somewhere. And, and I think, uh, I always kind of joke and say, I think my guardian angel is like a drunk that smokes, <laughs> you know, kind of like the, the old guy for Rocky. It's like, come on, rock, you know, and kind of envision some old crusty dude like that and be like, hell yeah, you're going to be, you know, so, um, but, you know, the thing is, is that, yeah, have I given readings in Ubers and in tour boats? And, uh, you know, I gave readings in my basement. And in fact, my office where I'm recording this right now is is actually in my or in the house that we now live is in the basement as well. But um, the thing that I would share is before my space, because we had the basement remodeled um, when I was doing readings for clients in person years ago um i would i did readings in my garage uh because that was the first space that was done when we moved in um and then you know so yeah there's been different dynamics of where i've done readings you know beer halls we've done events public events at casinos i mean it's you know i've been called into hospice units um you know, different, it, it's, it's been really interesting, Richard, of since taking those steps to embrace who I, you know, am as a medium and then allowing that to show up accordingly and, and kind of showing up saying, you know, how can I serve today? So what, I, is, what is it like, because we didn't talk about this because I yeah. didn't think about it till now, you know, what is it like? You know, because I know you talk to people that have, you know, already transitioned out. Yeah. What is it like when somebody in the room that is getting ready to transition out? What is that like? What's that? Mm. Well, that can be a challenging one, because not only do you have the emotions of the family that is great, know that they're going to pass any time. Um, but usually, uh, you know, most of the time when I have been in the room of anybody that is close to death, um, you know, their physical body now, um, a lot of times they're thinking a soul self. So you think of our soul within us is already transitioning. Meaning if you, you know, give you a visualization real quick. If you think of our soul already kind of starting to leave your body, like, okay, they're already, you know, transitioning is the word that I use. And so, you know, sometimes we hear actual case studies of, of say, you know, maybe grandma is on her deathbed and then all of a sudden she goes, do you see the beautiful angels or talking about her mother, um, you know, that is or, you know, family members that they're seeing them. And as somebody approaches, um, the threshold of, of death, um, it's, it's almost like, you know, that opening that doorway into heaven and being able to connect with their loved ones. And it's almost the, you know, we've heard of saying, you know, when we cross over everybody that we ever knew will be there. Um, and or, you know, people talking about a light or, you know, um, whatever their faith, usually, you know, it's depicted by their faith base. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting. So it's a little varied of what people experience or but what I felt is usually um, it's usually very peaceful on the on the aspect of um, the person crossing. 
Um, now it can, um, when they're still very conscious and they're contemplating different things, they know that they're dying. Um, yeah, I think it's very natural for people to be scared because, you know, good Lord, I most, you know, we don't want to die as a speed, you know, we, we want to live, we want to connect, we want to do one more thing, um, or whatever the case is, but there's, you know, people that get that closer just before crossing. There's, there's a piece that, that comes about it. Um, now I can't say that that's always the case for the family. Um, because then, you know, they're trying to deal with knowing that they're going to lose somebody than the actual dealing with the loss. Um, so grief, obviously we understand has so many levels. Um, and, uh, you know, it's how we move through that. So, well now, because, you know, after we had our, you, you know, me and you were got a chance to hang out a couple of days later, my, my, my wife had a dream. Uh huh. Dreaming of her mother. Okay. He dreamed of her father. Oh. And which was, you know, which is normal. But then, yeah. you know, that it was like, it was like so real. And then, you know, she asked, right. he's like, um, can you tell me about what it's like over there? And he's like, I was told not to say anything. Really? It's like, and I was like, wow. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, and I was like, and it was weird because it was her mother that we talked about on the show, but it was right. her that came in, in her dream. It okay. was so real. Right. So anybody ever, I mean, I know this is a weird question, but has anybody ever, you ever talk, talk to anybody? Cause you know, ever since, like you said, I, I actually started believing in it, you know, but has anybody ever said what the other side is actually like or no? Well, you know that I think it's a common question more for the, from the living, right? It's like what you know what what is it like over there? What is my you know wife or husband or mom, dad, you know whatever doing? You know what are they? You know what are they doing? Or do they have a job? There's a lot of common questions like that, um, and you know it varies because here's my belief, and this is what I've come to believe from doing readings over the years is what we consider heaven, okay, um, and different religions, uh, you know, aside, because then we'll be talking about it all, all day long, right? But, you know, based on your, you know, your, your belief or non-belief, whatever, is it's really a, a user-created reality. Let me, let me explain. If you believe that you go to heaven and you're surrounded by angels and there's going to be a pearly gate and it's going to be absolutely beautiful, then that's what I'm understanding is your experience, right? Now, if you believe that you're not worthy when you cross over saying, oh my God, I'm not worthy to cross over into the kingdom of heaven and blah, 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 then you don't. Then you you know, enter into what a lot of people would call maybe purgatory or what other people say, well, you know, that brings up the question, Dean, what about hell? And I believe hell as well is all what I call user created. And the aspect of is because hell, um, in my understanding, is void of everything. And I'm not talking just light, but it's void of everything, connection, thought, whatever. It's just a complete void. And how scary would that be? Um, so if we believe that we're destined for hell, then we create a hell um, within our reality. And because when we start talking about the soul's existence, <clears throat> the soul is really timeless. It's here on this physical plane of existence. And then it's also on the spiritual plane where we, you know, we understand or what we call heaven. Um, it, it exists on so many different levels. Um, so it's really kind of multi-leveled. It's kind of the answer. But um, so to answer your question, Richard, it's really what I'm understanding is um, what the individual, you know, would like. Um, and the thing that I have always connected to when I've, because one of the the uh, 
how do I want to say the boundaries that I put when I'm connecting with spirit and saying, I only communicate with those that are divine in nature, meaning that have crossed over that are not earthbound or, um, are low vibration. And one of the things that I always feel is a, um, a feeling of love. I never have gotten anything saying, Oh boy, you know, cause there's all kinds of stories within families, people that have been molested. There's people that, uh, their dad was a drunk, um, you know, somebody that died in a house fire and, you know, so people have different backgrounds. They die by different ways. Um, but that doesn't mean that they can't connect to love. They, you know, in the soul aspect. And so when I'm connecting to, you know, somebody, um, what we understand is in heaven, um, it's, you know, it's always emanating from a place of love. I have seen, I to, um, partially answer your question specifically, um, I have had several readings where I have been shown uh, we'll call them heavenly colors and different things that are really hard to explain because they're colors that we have never seen. It's like, so if I was to say, I'm being shown the color red, but it's like a red you've never seen. Um, so how do you explain that other than what we understand? Um, and so it, you know, I have been shown very beautiful things. It's like, oh my God, it's, it's completely beautiful, like beyond words. I can't describe it. Right. Um, and, uh, but a lot of it is the emotion of, because we're in an energy state at that point in heaven. So, or what we understand is heaven. All right. So then I have a question because, you know, yeah. especially for military people, yeah, uh, we've, or even police officers and first responders. Yeah. Um, we've lost people that we're close to, you know, whether yeah. on the, on the battlefield, or due to suicide, um, yeah. how do we, is there ways that we can, you know, get in touch with you and maybe be able to, um, give a little peace to the people, to the people that right. are left behind and maybe get in touch with those people? Right. Well, first off, I'm going to say this, um, because I don't feel it'd be honest if I said anything else. First off, I can never guarantee 110% that I would be able to connect with, you know, somebody that was really close to him. I just kind of open up the the hotline, if you will, and whoever steps forward. I always do my best, but I can never guarantee you, okay, um, that that is going to be be able to connect to so and so, okay. First, first off. Secondly, what I would share is start with your own. Um, you know, start at your own level. Um, number one, it's free, but number two, um, you can do something that maybe is more memorable. Um, one, one thing I heard is, you know, writing somebody a letter, um, you know, and watching what shows up or a response on that aspect. And it can be in different ways. A lot of times, kind of like Richard, you talked about your wife. A lot of times people show up in dreams and that's very common for spirit to have what we call dream interaction. And, uh, you know, when our conscious mind shuts down and our subconscious opens up. Um, but if somebody is feeling guided to reach out, they can certainly go to my website at uh, themilitarymedium.com or deanmcmurray.com. Takes you to the same place. And you can go to uh, book a reading. Um, and it's kind of serendipitous that you uh, were doing this podcast today because... Today um, through Sunday, I'm running, I'm uh, kind of decided last night, I'm going to run a, a little Halloween uh, sale on all my readings. They're going to be discounted. And uh, so a great opportunity to take advantage of those. If you've never had one, uh, you can take your pick. I, you know, have the hour, half hour, or the email reading, which is just, like it says, it's an email reading format. And, um, you know, you can pick and choose what works for you or in, in your pocketbook. So um, 
you know, or if you just want to reach out to me too, you can do that. If you have a question or whatever, Dean at DeanMcMurray.com, or you go to my website and there's a contact me uh, option there as well. And uh, you can check all that out. But yeah, a lot of people saying, oh my God, I'm having a spiritual awakening or, hey, what books do you recommend? Or, you know, they might be, you know, trying to figure out things for themselves too. It might not just be struggling with the loss of a friend or a loved one. Uh, they, they might be struggling themselves. So, All right, guys, this has been an amazing interview. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that, you know, that we become friends and you become part of the inner circle. I'm so grateful for you. Guys, I want to thank our sponsor. I want to thank Kurt Ballish, Ballish Woodworks. If you guys love homemade woodworks, definitely make sure you order from him. He's a veteran, and he's also helping veterans that are struggling with PTSD. So definitely check him out. Guys, check out the Psychic Medium. I mean, check my boy out. I'm going to be doing a post later on this afternoon. So I'll maybe repost our interview that we did live. And uh, this way you guys can actually get to, get to hear what we talked about and, and about that that weird moment that we all had when we all have to look at each other. But um, – Guys, I just want to say thank you for being being here. Uh, Dean, you're amazing, brother. And if anybody's ever had any experiences, please leave comments, and me and Dean will actually get back to you. Yeah. So we can, you know, we like to hear. Let's hear them. We're, we're always learning, so we would definitely love to hear if you've ever had anything like that. Dean, side, side side note on that too, Richard. I know there was a casting call that went out um, talking about a a new series looking for people that were in the military or currently serving that have paranormal experiences. So um, if you have that and you, you need the contact information, I can provide that as well. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. Have an it's always, always an honor. And stay, have a safe and happy Halloween. <laughs> you as well. All right. Bye. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show... If you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And, and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives.